With Rosh Hashanah coming this uh, Sunday night, Monday and Tuesday, so obviously it's an appropriate time to, to talk about Rosh Hashanah and to connect to it more, to have more of an appreciation and to uh, to really make our Yom Tov so much more meaningful. So before I begin the actual main thing I was going to speak about, I just saw something this week or last week, a great thing to remember, uh, a way to a way to, to, to remember the the power of the of Rosh Hashanah and the 10 days leading up to Yom Kippur, because this is the period, the 10 days of repentance. And when I say the 10 days of repentance, Rosh Hashanah is the first of the 10 days of repentance that's included in it. So uh, the 10 days of repentance, so we have our own version of CPR, our own CPR, our own spiritual CPR, because C stands for charity, P stands for prayer, and R stands for returning. And that parallels the three things, Teshuvah, Tefillah, Teshuvah, Tzedakah, Mavirin, Esra, Gezer, that Teshuvah, repentance and prayer and Tzedakah, so they cause a diminishment of any kind of judgment against us in these 10 days. So so it's easy to remember CPR. So we have our spiritual CPR of charity. It's a different order. Charity, prayer, and returning to Hashem. So keep that in mind. I saw that was a, a, an Aish article I saw. So uh, that's our beginning of the of the 10 days of Rosh, starting with Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days of CPR. But the class today is called Sound Advice. I sent an email out yesterday. So I'm calling it Sound Advice because we want to hear the advice of the sound. What is the advice of the sound of the shofar? What is the advice? So I apologize just briefly. I'm going to say a few things over here, which people who came to the class on Monday, they heard this already, but I'm going to shorten it and add to it as well. So uh, so the so the shofar, that, that's obviously the main mitzvah. That's the only, uh, yeah, it's the only mitzvah deraisa, biblical mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah. All the other aspects of Rosh Hashanah are customs, uh, or just customs or rabbinic, right? Customs and rabbinic. So the, the mitzvah derives the biblical mitzvah, which we have on, on Rosh Hashanah, is the mitzvah of the shofar. And when you look into the Torah to see the places where the Torah speaks about the shofar, it describes it as Yom Teruah, a day of, of a blast, day of blasting. The word Teruah means a blast. It's one of the sounds of the shofar, Tekir, Teruah, Tekir. And the question is exactly what is the intent of the Torah when it says to blast the shofar? And the question is, and it may seem like a little bit of a technical question, but it has a lot of relevance. <clears throat> is the mitzvah to blow it or is the mitzvah to hear it? Is my mitzvah to blow the shofar or is my mitzvah to hear the sound of the shofar? So the answer is, the answer is, is the, in, the, in the final analysis, and we're not going to go through all this, we did this on Monday. In the final analysis, the mitzvah is for us to listen to and to hear the sound of the shofar. And that's reflected in the blessing which we make because the, uh, the, the person who's blowing the shofar, he actually makes the blessing on behalf of everybody. And he says, To hear the sound of the shofar. So that certainly points to the idea that the primary focus of our mitzvah is to hear the sound, to listen to it as it's blasting out, to pay attention to it, to listen to it, and to absorb the message of it, listening to the shofar. That's our mitzvah. And even that's even true for the one who's blowing it. Even though he's blowing it and he's doing the, you know, that part of it, but even he has the mitzvah of listening to it as well. We'll talk about that afterwards. So that's number one, right? That's the mitzvah to hear the sound of the shofar. 
However, the Gemara says that Reb Zera, sage of the Gemara, he said when he was telling a servant of his to blow the shofar for him, he told his servant that the servant should have him in mind as he's performing his mitzvah. In other words, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Reb Zera, I say to you, please, when you blow the shofar for me, you know, have me in mind when I'm listening to as I fulfill my mitzvah. So the question is, is if the mitzvah is to hear it, why would he be telling him, why would he be telling his servant to have him in mind? Because all, all that the all Rebzeira would have to do is just to listen to it. Even if the blower has no cognition whatsoever of the person standing there, it shouldn't make a difference. Because if the whole mitzvah is to listen to it, to listen to the shofar, so it, there should be no requirement of the person blowing it having the person who's listening in mind as long as he blows the shofar and makes a good sound of a shofar and regardless of him being aware of anyone standing around of him still the one who's listening to it is hearing the nice beautiful sound of the shofar he fulfills the mitzvah so the question is why does the blower have to have in mind the listener so again we went into this much more detail on, on monday the bottom line the punchline of this is is that while it's true that, I, that my mitzvah is to listen to the shofar, or my, it's true that I have to listen to the shofar, there's a technical, a technical thing that I, have to, that I have to have as well. Because a rule is, there's a special rule with mitzvahs in general. There's a special rule with mitzvahs in general, and that is mitzvahs always require a tangible action to make it into a mitzvah. And that's a rule. Mitzvahs require some kind of thing you do. You have to do something. Now, if, you, if you're listening, if you're standing there just passively listening to the sound of the show, if you're not doing anything, yeah, it's true you're listening, but what is listening? It's not an action. So great sages have said that the passive, non-action activity of listening doesn't measure up to an action that satisfies the performance of a mitzvah. You have to do something. So the answer, so what do you do? How, what, how, how do you supply the doing part of the mitzvah of listening to the shofar, well, the doing part of the mitzvah is the blowing it itself, is the blowing it itself, the act of blowing it. So, for example, the person blowing the shofar, he's doing the action part of blowing his shofar, so that's the action part of it, but the real mitzvah is listening to it. That's the, that's the real essence of the mitzvah, listening to the sound. So the blower does that for himself, he blows it for himself, so he does the action part of the mitzvah, blowing, but the mitzvah is to listen to it. And as he's blowing it, since the one who's listening also needs to have the blowing element of the mitzvah too, so, he, so the blower has to have in mind that I'm having you in mind as I'm blowing, as I'm doing my action part of the mitzvah, blowing, I'm thinking of you, Bart, I'm thinking of you, Bob, I'm thinking of you, and I'm gonna, I'm transferring, applying my action part of the mitzvah to you, so it's as though you're blowing it as well. So now you're, you're good to go. You're good to go. You're, you're doing the action part of the mitzvah. Everyone's doing it, right? I'm doing it on behalf of you, the action part of blowing it. So that everybody is, in effect, blowing their own shofars, and it's a, it's a, good, it's a very convenient way to do this because everyone's blowing their own shofars, but it's not that noisy. Right? It's only, only, it's only, you actually only hear one shofar being blown, but the process of that blower blowing it from everybody halachically makes it as though everybody in the shul is blowing their own shofars. However, however, that act of blowing it is not the primary mitzvah, as we said, 
Because what is the primary aspect of the mitzvah? To listen to it. To listen to it. That's the bracha. Lishmoa bekol shofar. So while, you, while they're blowing it, we're all blowing it, and the blower's really blowing it, right? But the real mitzvah of the shofar is to listen to the sound of the shofar. And that's the, that's the halachic, that's the technical part of it. But what this really reveals is a fascinating, fascinating thought. Because, you know, you take a, a big step back, and this is, this, is, this, is not, this is just halachic, this is just based upon the halacha, right? In the final analysis, right, everybody, certainly the one who's physically blowing the shofar, but even those people who are listening to it because they're piggybacking upon the blowing of the one who's blowing it, in effect, everybody is blowing the shofar, but everybody is, the myth is doing their mitzvah by listening to the, to the sound of the shofar. So isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting how the mitzvah of the shofar is to listen to your own sound? To listen to your own sound. That's what the mitzvah is. Listen to the shofar. Listen to, the, to, to, the, to your own sound of the shofar. Again, the one who's blowing it physically really is doing this because I, I was thinking about this. It must be very difficult for him because he's concentrating so much on the blowing but his, but his, it doesn't take away from his mitzvah is to listen to the sound he's producing. So it's particularly difficult for him. Everybody else is a bit easier, but it's still the same for us as well because he's blowing on behalf of us. But my, so my, so my mitzvah still though is I've got to listen to that sound. I've got to listen to my own sound because I, he's my proxy. He's doing it for me. So, in it, so I, when I'm standing there listening to the show for what I'm really doing, I'm listening to my own sound. I'm listening to my own sound. And what is that sound? What is the sound exactly? And what am I listening to? Like, what exactly is that sound that I'm listening to? So the answer is, is that, well, what is that sound? Let's, let's, let's understand what that sound is. Let's understand. Like, obviously, it's a, it's a physical sound, but there's something deeper about the sound. So, you know, the Gemara says, we learned, learned this too, as well. The Gemara says that on Rosh Hashanah, one of the things we do also, which is the rabbinic part of it, is is we we talk it, we 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 recite, we recite and pray to Hashem with verses of God's kingship in the world, and we constantly repeat this over and over again that God is the King, He's the Melech, He always was the Melech, He is the Melech, He will be the King, etc. That's the theme of Rosh Hashanah Malchus, and we're supposed to really articulate that with our mouths and say it and repeat it and just. 10 verses which we say in the Musaf prayers which underscore this and repeat this. So the Gemara says though that the special way to do it, the Gemara says explicitly that the way to express your belief and your aspiration that God is the king, do it through the shofar. Do it via the shofar itself. Do it via the shofar. So that the shofar itself is this vehicle a tool for expressing our own awareness that God is the king. And how does that work? How does the shofar do that? So this, you know, I learned from Rav Hutna, Zechel Tzadik Levroch of the Rosh Hashiva's Rebbe, Rav Hutna Pachat Yitzhak. So he says in one of the Maimorim, he explains that God is the king of the universe, right? God has always been the king. But there was a certain point when he created the world that he actually became king. He became recognized as king. So some would say, well, he became the king when he created the world. And in fact, we do say on Rosh Hashanah, today Rosh Hashanah marks the creation of the world. But when did he really become the king? When was he, so to speak, when was he, so to speak, coronated to become the king? 
So again, some would say that the minute he created the world, but it's not true. Because the Gemara says, Ein Am, so Ein Melech below Am. There's no king without a people. You can't have a king without a people. But specifically, you can't have a king without a people, a person who chooses to make him a king. Because for instance, even before man was created, there were angels. But he wasn't declared a king yet with the creation of angels. And the reason is because angels don't have free will. So they don't choose God to be the king. They're just created to be subservient to him. So that's not called being a king. A king is only when a leader is only when the people vote him in and they coronate him and they choose him. So the Gemara says, Ein melach below am. There's no king without a people. So when was the king coronated? When was God seen and experienced as being the king in the universe? Only upon the creation of man. When man was created, that's when God became the king. When was man created? The sixth day of creation. Hence, Rosh Hashanah cor corresponds to the sixth day of creation. On the day that man was created and man recognized God as being the king and the master of the universe, hence God became the king in the world. Hence, that day became a day of God's, king, God, God, God's kingship and sovereignty in the universe. And that's Rosh Hashanah. The day that we recognize God as being the king and this is when the radiance and the energy of God's kingship reigns supreme on this day of Rosh Hashanah. But how did man come to, come to recognize that God is the king? Well, I mean, it's very simple. He just looked around. He saw. But if you do it in slow motion, do it in slow motion, first God created his physical body. He first created man's physical body. And at that point, the physical body is no different to an animal, just maybe a more sophisticated animal. But before man received his soul, he was just an animal. The specific point, the precise moment that man recognized God as being the king and in charge was when God blew into him his soul. When he blew into him his soul, at that precise moment, simultaneously with that, he recognizes God as being the king. He recognizes God because the soul is the, is the source of thinking. It's the source of, of our free will. It's the source of everything. So when the breath, the neshima, the neshima, the breath of God, of his spark within, was blown into man as a, as a neshama, as a neshama, neshima, neshama, same word, breath and neshama is the same. At that moment, that's when man recognized God to be the king of the universe. So it's precise that moment when, the, when man receives his neshama, he sees God as being the king. So Rav Hutna says, that's the, that's the blowing of the shofar. The blowing of the shofar is to, is to relive and to replicate that experience of the soul being blown into us, of the soul being blown into us, the, the neshama being blown into us, the neshima of the, of the shofar is like the neshama of our own souls being blown into us or experiencing the neshama in our, in our own souls. That's the blowing of the shofar, and that's why, and that's how the shofar is the tool for recognizing God as the king. So when the Gemara says, "Declare God to be the king," do it through the shofar. It's perfectly understandable, because the shofar is symbolizes the sh the soul. It symbolizes the breath of the soul. The breath of the of the shofar is the breath of the soul. So that's the. So that's so now we have a better understanding now. So this, it's not just you know like a sound. It's not just sound waves. But really, the sound of the shofar is really the sound of our own soul. That's the sound of the shofar. The shofar sound is the sound of the neshama crying within. 
and it's calling out within. That's what the, that's what the shofar is. It's the sound of the sho- the sound of the soul, the cry of the soul, the voice of the soul. That's the voice of the shofar. But what's the bracha though, and what's the mitzvah? Going back to what I said, the bracha is to listen to it, to listen to your own sound, to listen to your own soul, to listen to my own soul. Listen to my soul. My soul is calling out to God. It's intrinsic to me. The neshama, you can't escape it. The neshama is in every one of us. We all have a neshama, and that neshama, by definition, in its intrinsic form, in its how it's created, it's a spark of godliness. It's the connection to God. You can't shake it. It's always going to be calling out to God. It's always calling out. What happens? It gets buried. It gets buried. It gets buried through the year and all of the earthly activities of what we do during the year and all the distractions, it gets buried. So therefore, we don't hear it. We don't hear our own soul crying out. But on Rosh Hashanah, we're supposed to stop and listen. You know, it would be great if we would have a day, every day, a moment, a few minutes a day that a person goes into solitude and meditation. Some people do this. And they stop and they listen and they find quiet spaces of time when they listen, try and they try to listen to their own soul, what it's saying. But it's hard to do that in the busyness of, of our daily lives but comes Rosh Hashanah and you hear the sound of the shofar and everyone's standing there quietly and has a, they have a serious atmosphere about them and they're listening to the shofar you're listening to yourself it's a time when the soul is really crying out and it's time to listen to it and to pay attention to it and to respond to it and react upon it that's listening to the shofar listening to that inner voice listening to the inner voice listening to the cry of the inner soul that's what the shofar is and that's the mitzvah. It's interesting that you know that's the you know we could say we could we 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 could conjecture that maybe the mitzvah is to blow it to you know to blow the to like almost like we have to you know cry out to God because that could be the blowing of the crying out of this. But the the first the first step is to listen because you can't express yourself if you don't know what you want. You can't express your voice unless you exp- you have to you have to recognize what your voice is. So we first have to recognize that, not the voice of, you know, desire and the voice of this, that, and the other, but it's to recognize the spiritual voice, the neshamadika voice, to hear that inner voice inside of us, and upon that, then, to be able to then start expressing ourselves and expressing that inner voice and calling out to him. But the first step is to hear that voice and to get it out of the darkness. It says that in Kehelis, it says, you know, that God created man, Yashar, he created man yasha, he created man straight. But uh, how's the passage go? It says he created Asa Elokim Esa Adam Yashar Vehema Bikshu Cheshbonus Rabim. God made man straight, but he but he seeks out many calculations. It's like this is what the story of life. We are we are straight inside, but we get distracted. We got all sorts of Cheshbonus, all sorts of calculations, etc., etc. We get lost, and the Shaman gets lost. But the first step is to to find the voice, to hear the voice. Once we hear that voice crying out once we hear it, it's there it's really there it's actually there and the shofar sounding i'm hearing that sound that shrill eerie sound of the shofar it's really my soul crying out inside of me which i've le- i've neglected it and i pay attention to it that's me that's who i am that's who i am that's what's inside of me that's my potential look what i'm doing i'm trying to connect that's what i'm about that's what it's all about and it's there oh it's there and all of a sudden once it's there you realize you start you start, you, you start doing it. You start doing You start re- replicating exactly what the soul wants. You start crying out. And that's the power of the shofar. That's the, the mitzvah of the shofar. 
It's this voice. It's, the, it's opening up the voice inside to start calling out to God and reconnecting to him once again. And there's nothing more powerful than this. You know, there's nothing more powerful than that most basic, most basic state of almost like vulnerability, of this vulnerable, you know, I'm not going to say it's like, I don't mean childlike, childlike, but there is a certain childlike nature there because we're all children inside of ourselves. We're like children. We're crying out. We want, our, we want the security. We want the connection. We want the security of our Father in heaven. That's, that's natural to every human being. I, I don't, it doesn't make a difference how much a person may think that they are atheists or agnostics. Or they don't, it's, 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 it's germane to every human being that they need a sense of security. We all need security. It's, it's built into us from, the, from day one, from our childhood, from being born. We, we, we need a sense of security, except we look for security in other areas. Right? The greatest sense of security is the Almighty, is the creator of the universe. No greater security than that. So that's inside. That's what we're crying. That's what's, that's what's, that's what, so when we tap into that, and we tap into that dependency and that security and that desire to want to connect and that desire to re reinstate that relationship, it's, everything is, is it's like you have everything. You have everything. Nothing like that broken heart, that soul crying out. I, I, there's, a, there's a story. Oh, just before I tell the story, it's in, there's, I, there's a, I don't know who he was. It's, his, name, his name is Rabbi Eliyahu Kutamacha. He was a famous rabbi in the 1800s, early 1900s. He was, so he would advise people when they go to a bris mila to a circumcision, he would say, you go to a bris mila, precisely when the baby cries at, the, at that moment of the cut and the baby screams, daven, daven with all of your heart to Hashem. Because the pure, because the pure, cry of that baby nothing stops your prayers from going through when you can tap into that pure cry of the baby you synchronize your prayers with that and your you know it's uh, your prayers will go on high so he said that's by a bris but he says if there's a bris meal on rosh hashanah then you can rely on the on the shofar blowing instead because the shofar blowing itself is the same idea because it's also like that cry of the baby of the, our own baby inside of us and if you can synchronize your prayers, your tefillahs, with your own cry of your neshama, then that's good enough as well. So that's on Russia. That's that, that's a, a, on Rosh Hashanah. So there's a, I just read, I just heard the story this morning. I was listening to the story, and it just really really brings out. I think it's a good story to bring out the power of just this vulnerability and this broken heart and connecting to this vulnerable and pure place of the neshamas. There was a story of these beggars that they would go from town to town and they would beg for money and they, but they were never successful. This group of beggars, they could never make enough money. And they go to one town and they say, they see this, uh, this very important rabbi, Hasidah Rebbe, who's visiting the town. And they notice how everybody goes out of their way to entertain the rabbi and to provide accommodations. And the rabbi gets a tish, like the traditional like, table, and people are visiting the rabbi. And what happens when the rabbi comes to town, people make donations as well. And they give to, and this rabbi's making tons of money. And they're thinking like, well, well like, what did he do? Like, he's making all this money. We, we've been begging and begging and we can't make, it to make, any kind of, make any money. And he just comes along. So one of them says, you know what? I've got a great idea. Let's one of us pretend to be a rabbi. We'll, we'll pretend to be a rabbi. We'll go from town and, we'll, and, I'll, and you know, you'll be the rabbi or I'll be the rabbi. And we'll go around and you'll be my entourage. And we'll go around. We'll see what happens. That's what they did. So one of them, you know, they, they found some money to kind of buy the clothes and they made himself look like a rabbi and they started traveling from town to town and lo and behold it worked right it worked they go to one town and everyone is coming out 
who are you? I'm, I'm, I'm the Rebbe of uh, whatever town they made up a, ta- a town's name, and, they, and everyone's giving all this covet and honor and accommodations. They get a tish, and the Rebbe is sitting there, and people are coming. He's giving brochas out, and, they, and, and money's coming in, and they're making tons of money. It's great. It's a great deal. Until one day when they're about to leave, they're in one town, they're about to leave, and then one man comes over to, the, to this you know, so-called Rebbe, and he comes to him, and he's crying, and he's just, and he's just very upset. He's very distraught because a daughter of his, one of his daughters, is very, very sick. And he wants the Rebbe to pray for him, to daven for him. And he says, please, can you daven for my daughter? She's so sick. And, you know, thinking that he's like this holy man. And the, the poor, this beggar, faking as the, as the Rebbe, he just felt so bad. He, kind of, he, he just felt, it was, it was, you know, this was going too far to fake it, to say that I'm a Rebbe and I, can, I have connections on high. He just felt so, so bad about it. He didn't, he, he said, and he tried to push him off. He said, listen, you know, let me think about it. You know, I can't, I can't pray right now. Come back in a couple of hours and I'll, 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 I'll let you know if I can pray for you. So the man is confused. He says, but you're the Rebbe. He says, just come back. So he comes, so he goes away. He comes back a couple hours later. He says, Rebbe, can you please pray for my daughter? Please pray for my daughter. And the beggar is like, yeah, he's feeling so bad. He says, listen, I, you know, I'm sorry. I just can't do it. He doesn't, doesn't divulge his identity. He just says, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I cannot do it. I'm not, I'm not in a position to be able to pray for her. And the poor man is like, is like totally distraught. And he's just kind of, he's so angry and he walks out. He's like, what are, what's going on? He's like, I'm so upset. And he walks away. The man goes away. So the beggar feels so bad about this. He felt so bad that he was faking as a rebbe. And he's feeling so bad for this poor man that he just breaks down. He breaks down and cries like a baby to God and says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he prays like, he cries like a baby for the health of this daughter, for this daughter, for this girl. And he's just crying like a baby. He's crying out and crying out. And he gets up and he eventually leaves the town where he is with his entourage. And then the man, the father, sees him. He comes running over and says, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. He says, it's unbelievable. Your prayers worked. Your prayers worked. He didn't know what had happened. Your prayers worked because my daughter made this miraculous turnaround in the last couple of hours. Your prayers must have worked. And the reason is his prayers did work, not because he was a rebbe, because he was just a simple man crying out and tapping into his soul and tapping into the, 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 child, the childlike vulnerability of his own soul and crying out to God. And as a result of that, the prayers went, went, went on high and he was successful. So this is the, uh, this is the, you know, it's the power of the soul, the power and tap, first listening to it, first listening to it, and then activating it and using the, the shofar to really connect on high. So my bracha is, may we all listen well, may we all listen well to our, our soul within as it calls out to its maker on Rosh Hashanah and let us not get lost in the silly cheshbonus, the silly like dis- distractions of life but to instead synchronize ourselves with our souls every single day of the year ahead of us so we merit to have a year of blessing and prosperity and, you know, in health and also proper and true self-expression to know ourselves well and to know what our soul really wants and to activate and to, and to actualize that true self-expression that we have inside of ourselves than the Shabbos. So this, let's listen well to the shofar. Listen to the shofar. Listen to your own voice. Listen to your own voice within. So, Kasiva Kasiva Tova and uh, a good Gibbent